Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast. This is the On the Spot series by China Forum. In this series, we return to the platform of international forums and webinars, where leading minds in academia, government, business, technology, and media deliver novel, collaborative responses to the global issues of the day. The COVID-19 pandemic has been sweeping the world, weakening global economic and social development, and profoundly affecting and changing people's lives. In this episode, Professor Chang Bei from Shanghai International Studies University will share her perspective on China's response to the coronavirus. She will also discuss how we can live side by side with COVID-19 when vaccines are not widely available, and explore the possible future of a reshaped world in the post-pandemic era. This podcast presentation is revised from Professor Chang's original speech made during the webinar "Living with COVID-19: What Are the Implications for the World If a Vaccine Remains Elusive." The webinar was hosted on October 16, 2020, by the Digital Foundation, a respected British think tank. In Westerners' perspective, Chinese government has dominated COVID-19 prevention and control, but it is not the whole story. Today. I'd like to explain why China could achieve economic rebounding after containing the virus, and the so-called herd immunity approach, which tends to protect the vulnerable group and allow a certain infection rate in healthy population, would not fit China's reality. In Beijing's recent outbreak, the first patient tested positive provided a list of his 38 close contacts, and then. Public health workers identified 356,000 people who were at risk through big data tracing. These numbers are informative and worth noting, since they show how city dwellers' life is closely intertwined. In fact, nowadays China has become a hypermobile society. In 2019, passengers of China's railway numbered 3.66 billion. And civil aviation transported 660 million passengers. In addition, the number of private cars in China is as high as 200 million and is still rising. With the convenience of transportation, domestic migrant population keeps increasing, and the number is as high as 240 million. In most cases, big cities are the destinations of population movement. Since they provide better job opportunities and other public services, China's economy has benefited a lot from the interconnection and mobility. It creates jobs and provides the source of livelihood for many families. Tourism and related business has been also booming. Some studies show the contribution rate of domestic migrant population to China's GDP growth is as high as 20 to 30 percent. This reality has important implications for China's response to COVID-19. Firstly, big cities are increasingly likely to become the first places of outbreaks. China's recent cluster cases have occurred just in popular cities such as Beijing, Urumqi, and Qingdao. Secondly, any virus with strong transmissibility, like SARS-CoV-2, would spread out quickly through the traffic network. This is why the Chinese government cut off public transport between Wuhan and the outside world when the disease broke out at its first place. Public health experts estimate that this measure alone has avoided 500,000 to 3 million infections, 
and 18,000 to 70,000 deaths in China. Thirdly, in such an integrated society, it is very difficult to manage different groups of people in different ways. The idea that government can protect some groups while letting the virus transmit in others is almost impossible to be carried out in today's China. Given the size of its population, even a low infection rate can overwhelm the healthcare system and the severity of the outcome has been clearly demonstrated by early outbreak in Wuhan. Fourthly, the fact that everyone could be infected has created a certain social sentiment, which have important implications for China's epidemic prevention policies. In the early stage of the pandemic, China's underdeveloped rural areas spontaneously implemented more stringent measures than that required by the government. Some of them even violated rules by cutting off roads. In Shanghai and Beijing, security guards in some neighborhoods have barred outsiders. In fact, some drastic measures fit the needs at that time and were welcomed by the public. People's self-protection means that if the epidemic continues, the social economy could not go back to normal even if the government lifts restrictions. The self-enforced measures may even stricter than government's policy, causing greater loss of social economy. This also means that public confidence about government's effort is crucial. In Qingdao, for example, the government recently decided to test more than 9 million people after three asymptomatic cases were reported. When explaining such a decision, one public health expert said that the chain of transmission was not clear yet and the government needed to reassure the public. For these reasons, in a mobile society as today's China, there is no trade-off between economic benefits and the public health, but a win-win result. Within five months, Beijing rolled out local regulations on responding to major public health emergencies. In order to prepare for the possible second wave of outbreaks, the central government sent special task force to inspect CDCs on provincial level, wearing masks, using digital health codes and big data to trace track are highly accepted by the public. And China is confident about vaccine development. Therefore, it may not be necessary to have another lockdown in China. Instead, it can pursue public health security in a low-cost way. Unless the death rate of COVID-19 can reduce to the level of common influenza, it will be dangerous for people to go back to normal economic activities. China's economy is gradually rebounding, but the risks ahead should not be underestimated. We have to reflect and meet new challenges. How can governments remain vigilant on public health issues in international GDP race? How should future vaccines be properly distributed nationally and internationally? How to reopen the borders step by step? China needs to engage with countries in dialogue to better answer these questions and build a society that is more resilient to health risks. Thanks.